kids official sliding on the instrumental nordic combos twisted mental like forbidden peace to the public and power to the people the vulnerable are powerful and the most gangster thing you could do is surf if you ain't know this is the all the way live podcast every single week my brother and i come onto this podcast onto this platform and we dedicate our time we dedicate our friendship we dedicate our passion to be able to bring people carefully curated content consistently we do it for your cranium <laughs> and we do it man for a host of reasons um, one of those reasons being that we love to connect art and impact and information and curate that into dope conversations that help you sound even smart smarter around your friends giving you those statistics breaking down complex things together art impact uh and we also do it for the purpose of being a space of positivity for people man we understand that like People are really going through difficult times. You know, loneliness is at an all-time high. Uh, depression is at an all-time high. People are really going through dark times. And so we hope to be a place where people can come through, get some of this positive energy, uh, some of this information, and go about their day, be the best version of themselves. And we're doing it again this week. Big facts. So no matter wherever you at, whether you're in a car, whether you're riding, whether you're driving, whether you're studying... Whether you're chilling out on this Sunday, we appreciate you tuning in. You already know what's going on. Exeter is in the building by way of Johannesburg with my boy Zway over there. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 Mr. Producer for this for this this season's show, man. We gotta say uh what's up to our boy Hassan, man, holding us down on the boards. Appreciate you, miss you, dog. Can't do this thing without you. Uh, and you already know what's going on on this side. Chicago is in the building. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. Uh, this land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires. And as we look around and we see what's going on today in these spaces and all the confusion and all the violence and all the conflict, um, we shouldn't be too confused because we have to acknowledge the history that came before and the violent removal of the... First Nations people from this land is deeply connected to the violence we see in this city today, this country today, and this world today. And that's the reason that every show we make sure that we acknowledge that, that we lift up love for indigenous people the world over, that we lift up love between black and brown people the world over, that we lift up love for you, wherever you at, uh, you know, and, and appreciation for your history and heritage. Uh, and like that, the intro's over. Let's get into the show. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Like we say on this show, um, we love to highlight impact, we love to highlight art, um, and this week is no different, man. There's so much dope impact that's happening around, and we actually wanted to start with highlighting some of the work that we're going to be doing, trying to get some more laptops for these kids, our tech drive is officially live. Big facts. We done told y'all how and crucial a tool these laptops are for these young students to be able to engage uh, in their academic career, in their professional spaces. Uh, and so trying to having the opportunity to lighten the burden on them and all of and approaching all of the things that they want to do. Bless you, my brother. Uh, is is you know 
a privilege that we have. And so any way that you can contribute, if you got a laptop, if you got a phone that's in any type of shape to donate, uh, we would love to be able to pass that on, give it a great home with somebody who's doing some incredible work. Uh, these young students that inspire me and Zway and Mandulo and uh, our circle of impact. So go on, man, donate. I know you got one. You got one in the attic, old laptop. You don't use it no more. Let's get it. Let's give it to some kids. And uh, how we do that is through the student giveaway that we're going to be running now um, that's officially live. So not only are we asking y'all to give those laptops, but at the same time, we're starting to hand those laptops out. So essentially, if anybody who is a who, and knows of some, a student that could utilize this laptop or themselves can utilize it, just go ahead, follow our page repost on our story dm us for entry uh we'll can we'll throw it in you know we got people way smarter than me and miles going through this information to be able to figure out who the winner is we give that laptop away and like that bro we begin the process of seeing how many we can actually give out word word the kids are the future they know how to use this technology way better than those of us that are encroaching upon old age so go on man do your part to give these kids the best shot they can at saving our world you know we need it come on man contribute you know i'm all about uh i'm all about numbers and setting numbers up if you had to give a number on how many laptops we would like to give out by the end of this year what number would you put that on it's june we got six months. I would love to be able to give out like 20 laptops, a nice little cohort of 20 students that we can maybe get together, put a curriculum together around, uh, maybe around action civics and how they can use these tools and this technology and the opportunities that they have at hand um, to impact their community. So I would love to put together a little cohort, you know what I'm saying? 15, 20 students. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Oh, the power of words, Miles. The last time we set a number, we said we wanted to feed 1 million mouths is the number that we put. And we have ran past that number uh, by by double-fold, thrice-fold, you know? So I think there is a lot of power in being able to set numbers and objectives and work towards them. You heard my brother say it over here. We're going to do 20 laptops this year. We two down, 18 more to go. Miles also needs a laptop. So we're taking all laptops. <laughs> Word. I do actually need a laptop, but none of these proceeds will go to to mine. I'm on my own with that for sure, for sure. Uh, but you said one million maps, and you reminded me of how we set objectives. Twenty was too little. We're doing twenty thousand laptops, so get to donating. <laughs> get to donating. In, in classic Mandula Foundation style, we have set a ridiculous number up, and now we'll hit it. You heard it. We didn't say twenty. It was 20,000. 20K. So 20,000 20, laptops is what we try to push it through. And shout out to our uh, shout out to our head of innovation and Chile in the comments rocking with us, man. Uh, this is a live conversation, so be sure to definitely be in the comments. Bro, we got a whole show and a whole bunch of things that we got to talk to these people about. Big facts, big facts. It's an honor to do this thing with you. It's an honor to be a part of this impact. Uh, every little thing helps. Every donation, every piece of time, every piece of effort, uh, and everybody tuning in. So let's get it. And that's not the only impact that we've seen over this week because we also heard that uh, Jay-Z and Jack Dorsey uh, launched their Bitcoin Academy in the Marcy Projects. Word, word. And as... You know, behind the scenes, we've been we've been keeping our eye on Bitcoin, trying to see what opportunities uh, might arise. And 
to see Hove reach out. So this is an opportunity to teach kids in Marcy about Bitcoin, making sure that even as we connected to the laptop drive, right, certain communities that have been um, economically disenfranchised and deprived, making sure that they don't get left behind in these arenas where it takes a little bit of cash and capital technology to be able to participate. So shout out to Hove to for keeping everybody uh, in the Marcy Projects up to date with all of these opportunities to get dollars that are based in data. What did you think when you when you saw the story break up? I thought that Hove is uh, is actually like Elon Musk is who Hove is should have that position on our show. We stay bringing up Elon Musk, talk about everything that he do, but really we should be highlighting Hove not only as a, a billionaire that I identify with, but also as somebody that I think has had a deep impact on on both of us. You know what I mean? And in, in our growing up and our coming of age as one of those voices outside of the actual crib um, that made us think about how we view things. So we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, Musk and, and Bezos. And I think the moves that Hove made, even some of the ones that we might not be all the way behind are some of the ones that we should focus on more. So it was just a reminder to me that like, I really, um, I appreciate this man's presence, both in hip hop and, and in the, and just in the space of being a philanthropist. Hope is definitely the black Elon Musk. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that, you know, um, and just, uh, just go off exactly what the Academy is going to be doing. It's going to be a cryptocurrency, uh, Academy in the Marcy Projects in Brooklyn. Uh, it, the Academy aims to educate the residents of the Brooklyn-based housing complex um, specifically on Bitcoin to help them become more financially aware in general is what Hope said about it. Uh, classes will be taught by Lamar Wilson um, and Nigel J. Roberts, who's also the co-founder of Crypto Blockchain Plug in Inglewood, California. So I think the cool thing about this too is being able to highlight the the people on the ground are also going to be rolling it out that it's also like the respected titans within their own space you know as a community organizer there's always so much more towards the people who are actually moving things there's different pieces to all these puzzles starting a school is just the beginning who's going to be teaching those programs what are they going to be teaching in it um so to be able to lean on those people who have also been active in their own communities is pretty cool but it goes to what i've said what i've been saying for the longest time which is that eventually the coolest thing you can do is help people you know and that's and that's what makes me so happy when i see this that at the end of the day it's we're all fighting towards the same thing it's like we all understand what the issue is for black kids and communities and we know that if we can get these kids the resources to be able to expand their creativity from a younger age then you know what comes from there is massive and this looks like exactly what jay is trying to be do is going to do in his community Word. We say it every show, right? The most gangster thing you could do is serve, right? Uh, and the reason for that is because it don't take that much, right? A huge thing that motivates me in the work that I do in the serving community is that I've seen these little glimpses of how vibrant and beautiful community can be when they have just that minimal opportunity, right? So whenever I hear that spaces are coming together where people are learning and, and sharing and exchanging ideas, especially about technology and opportunities that has financial uh, repercussions for the entire community, I get excited because I think my brain starts, my gears start turning immediately. I start thinking about how can we get uh, 
parents and youth in the same space, both learning about financial literacy, both learning about, you know, the kids helping the parents learn about technology and Bitcoin and the parents helping the kids understand about, uh, you know, how to deal with finances and both of them learning at the same time. Like, we can create such powerful spaces that uh, facilitate connection on so many levels through stuff like this. So, Again, yeah, as somebody who who helps to create those spaces and community, I get really excited when it's being done on a on a high level because maybe there's a model there that we can take from. And not only is there a model, but maybe having somebody like Hove and Jack Dorsey, these big names attached to it, means that a few more people will show up. And it won't be 30 of us in a community center. It might be 200, 250, 500. So that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And you know the, the power behind... Or at least how difficult it is to get people to come together under the cause of like community development and education. Like it's not as simple as you say, we, we built this building, everybody has to come in. Nah, there's a lot of footwork that has to go to generate that interest for people to come in. You gotta, uh, you know, manage the logistics behind it. There's always so much work behind the work. Um, and so, like you say, when people like Jay Z move into this space, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more people doing the same thing, a lot more people of prominence. And that just makes the circle bigger. That just makes how many people are getting help bigger. It makes the fact that the coolest people are helping people. And that's how it gets to like, that's got to be the coolest thing. And I'm so glad Jay does it because I, you know, I don't want to say I identify with Jay. <laughs> I ain't going to, I, I ain't got nothing to the contrary, my G. Like, yeah, you, you Jay, Jay ends with what? Z, come on! <laughs> Don't do that. It's right there. Don't do that. It's right there. You know what I'm saying? Bars for days. But yeah, man, it's also it's also just so dope to me to like like you said, right? It's it's super cool to have that position where you get to your efforts get to give somebody else an opportunity or or brighten their day. Uh, so shout out to all the people that make that possible. Shout out to the people that think about those logistics of what it takes to bring people together. All the street teams that's putting up and spreading flyers. All the people on the administrative side printing flyers. All the people that are thinking about, well, if we're doing a program for parents, where the child, like, child care? Hmm, how about that? You know what I'm saying? Like transportation back and forth. Kids moving across different neighborhoods that might not be the safest. Like there are people that are organizing and thinking about all of those things in order to make stuff like this possible. So shout out to them because they are, right, the coolest out here. The coolest doing it. And what we do for y'all cool people is break the show up into a few segments. Uh, We have more conversation, more content with your permission, Miles. Yes, sir. Ah, <laughs> Miles, tell me, what are you slipping on over there? Racism, my old friend. <laughs> yeah, here we are again. Here we are again. We ne- I, I don't know if we've officially created like racism in the wild as a segment, um, but this is uh, racism. I think it's safe to say that, and it's also wild. Um, now, uh, <laughs> by coincidence. It's also happening uh, on my brother's side right there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to allow you, Zway, to, to let us know Wagwan with Ryanair. So essentially over the last few months, and, you know, admittedly, I, I'm, 
I had the ba- I had the backdrop on this story before it dropped, right? So I'm part of uh, I'm part of the Shevning the Shevning cohort, which is here in the UK, and uh, all it's like a, a bunch of uh, Africans get given scholarships. <laughs> Africans, people from around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, broke the seal. We're in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see who was going to get politically incorrect on this conversation first. I feel much better. Let's get it. <laughs> Man. So essentially it gives people from around the world scholarships all to say that the South African cohort, I'm in a WhatsApp group with them. And when it first dropped, I wasn't particularly sure what to take of this information. Right. But from the back, you heard people being like, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And then lo and behold, the story breaks, which is that, um, Ryan Air is a Irish, an Irish airline, right? Is essentially mandating that all South Africans that are flying into London have to take a test in Afrikaans. An Irish budget airline. Let's not let that part be lost. This is a budget airline. This is a low cost, <laughs> which is which is funny for them to be taking on this. Uh, <laughs> taking on the mantle of safety for the country on their shoulders. But it's also uh, not as funny when you consider that this is probably one of the only options for people that can only afford a certain flight of a certain cost. So uh, it's funny because this ain't American Airlines, this ain't British Airways, this ain't Emirates that's taking a stand, you know, among the airline industry. This is a, this is a budget airline um, that's on some shit. Look, you're not the only one that feels that way, right? A bunch of people are saying the exact same thing, that this is absolutely absurd. Um, so essentially what the test is and, and why this is a particularly touchy topic for South Africans is that um, the man, being able to take things in Afrikaans testing was also one of the main drivers of what led to the student marches in June 16, which was this pivotal point in South Africa's history where students essentially were protesting against mandated teaching in Afrikaans within their schools. This is 76. So, you know, I think to understand that the outrage behind it, it's important to also have um, context on the, yeah, just to be able to, I was, I was thinking context of content, but it's important to have context on the full scope of why people are mad. So, you know, this is a, a historically touchy topic. So when you mandate South Africans to do, uh, to to adhere to a language, especially Afrikaans, immediately it invokes those uh, that reaction. And um, that's what you're seeing from my fellow South Africans today. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing in that, that context. Um, and especially, you know, even better when it's carefully curated, right? So, so to continue the curation, South Africa has 11 official languages, right? Ryanair has not explained why they chose Afrikaans, considering only 13% of South Africans speak Afrikaans as a first language, right? Most of the people that speak Afrikaans as a first language happen to be white. Now, this is... This puts us in a tough spot because white people just keep finding themselves in these situations that look an awful lot like racism. 
<laughs> I, I like how you said that look a lot like it and definitely if you take that into context yes it does it does come off a little racy racy you know and I, I, I don't like pulling the racy card so that's why when the ceo of the africa afrikaans language council conrad's Ian Camp um, wrote directly to Ryan Air and was like, "Ayo, even I am Afrikaans, but like this is kind of wild, <laughs> you know." So <laughs> when you have the CEO of the language council of that language uh, distancing himself from that decision, it makes you kind of wonder: like, uh, was this decision done in just a closed quarter and was had no true input of the people of the country where it's from? Well, I'm glad you brought in people who might know and their opinions on this. Because as I said, this is Ryanair is a budget airline that is taking it upon itself. And their explanation is that they are requiring this test because of increased cases of fraudulent South African passports being used to enter the UK. Meanwhile, officials in the UK have said, uh, <laughs> we're not requiring this test. We didn't say that. Y'all, we didn't, we didn't ask for that. South Africa's Department of Home Affairs said the department regularly communicates with all airlines to update them on how to validate South African passports, including the look and feel. We also didn't ask for this. So <laughs> when you look at it, seems like everybody involved who, who might know about whether or not this is an appropriate safety measure to take has said, no. <laughs> <laughs> we we good <laughs> what you doing it looks a little suspicious it does look a little suspicious and uh but Ryanair is stuck to his guns Ryanair said from the 9th of June that it will keep Afrikaans as the test and because of that my fellow South Africans we have decided that I shall be the guinea pig for said test miles I am South African as you know you know, and I, I like to think that I can represent my the common South African um, ability to answer Afrikaans questions. I have never read these questions, I'll say. Mind you, the answers are right beneath them, but I'll still try and answer these questions. Question number one. You see, they've already lost me. <laughs> you yeah. see, they've, they've already lost me. And that's that's kind of the issue. That's I think that's the issue right there. Is that if if knowing this language does not is not an accurate representation of whether someone is a citizen, then requiring having this test only in that language is not an appropriate measure to test whether somebody is a citizen. How about you have all these? If these are questions to test whether somebody is a citizen, I don't know why not have the test in all eleven languages. I'll try. Let me try it again. For real, right? <laughs> Batar Bandifolgende is Sud-Afrikaanse hoofdstad. I have no clue what any of those words mean. I'm, I'm not even lying. Let's go. Question two. What is Sud-Afrika's Amptekelki? What are these words? You heard it here first, everyone. Zwei is not African. Zwei failed. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I think, and I'm glad you said that because what's important to be able to understand, right, is that the Afrikaans language is actually an Eastern German language that was, um, that's, a, that's where the, the language came from. For when the Dutch migrated into Africa, that's the language that they put into the country, right? So that being said, you know, dialects and whatever the case, like 
develop and then it becomes its own language, which is why it is separate from Dutch. Even though if you're Afrikaans, you can understand Dutch, but Dutch people can't really speak Afrikaans. They still have that relationship. Um, yeah, so when you say Zwe's not African, ain't talking to me about Afrikaans language, my brother, that's quite offensive. Then you take the test. I would fail the test. I'm. I think I'm leaning toward abolishing the test. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I think I'm adding it to my list of things that I think should be abolished. I, but that's what I'm. But that's exactly what I'm saying, right? Like, if you can't, if you wouldn't be able to pass this test as somebody who doesn't know Afrikaans, I think that that's that speaks to what the exact issue is. And we're not measuring what we're saying. We're measuring, and we're using safety as an excuse to. A pr- to to restrict the movement of people who don't have a lot of other options. And I think while I deeply enjoy having fun with these conversations and again, like I, it's always it's always crazy to me when the spotlight shines on the brick wall and white people get stuck, and it looks like racism. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just think like, oh man, how bad I would feel if I kept getting like framed in situations for like stealing fried chicken. And white people were just like, see, we knew. We knew they loved fried chicken. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, so I, I, don't, I don't know how to feel. And I, and I was uh, interested in having this conversation today because a lot of times when we're talking about these, these problematic racial issues, we're talking about them uh, on this side, right? We're talking about, you know, all the racism that goes on in the U.S. And, and, and as we talk about something that, a, a test that is offensive from a historical perspective and from an inaccuracy of measuring citizenship perspective, um, I was just very interested to see where, if if this would warrant the racist stamp from Zway. <laughs> Listen, it, I'm, I'm always hesitant to put the racist stamp on there. You know, I don't like, I don't like doing that. I don't think it's cool. Um, but I do think what is uh, important to note is the unfortunate timing of this situation, right? And so when you think about what happened in 1976 and, you know, the fact that 176 kids died, it was literally high school students who were leading the changes that would spiral into the free South Africa we see now, you know, South Africa's always leaned on the youth in order to like really make massive social change. And you see that in the fees must fall movement where a bunch of kids were just like, these fees are way too high, bring them down. And they've had a bit of success in that regard, you know? So it is unfortunate that it comes under uh, under that time. So I do want to be able to shed some positivity on some South African history and also share that June 16th is Youth Day. We're going to be giving out a laptop on June 16th um, I believe, and we're, we're going to be definitely in the community helping kids on June 16th, so make sure you do the same. And if you don't know what to do, head over to the Mandua Foundation page. We have a whole bunch of ways that you can donate, contribute, and participate in um, helping the youth in June 16th. Word. Get involved. Get involved. Uh, and speaking of dope days in June, it's also about to be Juneteenth. We're celebrating that on this side in Chicago. Um, Juneteenth is the celebration of when the final group of enslaved people were notified that uh, it's over. We free. Free as free can be under the USA. Um, and so a lot to celebrate, a lot to, a lot of positivity going on. So uh, happy to focus on that and uh, shout out uh, both Juneteenth and our June 16th events and moves. 
Yeah, and I must say, you know, Miles, uh, as as someone that hopes to be able to travel just a bit over the summer, and the fact that I would probably use Ryanair, I, it looks like I might have to study for tests before I get onto the plane. So, yeah, let me ask you, as somebody who's like, who, if you look at this whole situation and you go, if you don't think it's it's there's racism involved i would say what do you what is the justification you know why does it make sense to choose africans for this test and why does it make sense to put this test in place if the if the place that you're protecting people from is like now and the country that you're sending people to or from is like now look and and this is my hubris and my ego speaking where to me I'm like, I wish they would put this test in front of me on right air. <laughs> I wish you would, you know, and let's see how we take it from there. Because I think, uh, but then again, you've had, uh, you've heard a lot of South Africans say that they've had that experience and had a horrible experience in it. They weren't allowed in, uh, some people weren't allowed in, being held for a long amount of time. But like Miles Xavier, I've been getting held in airports for a very, very long time. And if that's my contribution to the struggle to free us from this Afrikaans, then so be it. Word. I just, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want you to get caught up in an airport. We got moves to make. You know what I'm saying? And so, as we, as we look at something like this, that's very real. That, like, yeah, literally could affect the way that we move around. I guess I'm just, I just, what, what, like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm looking for what do you, like, what do you think their intent was? If you don't think it was just to exclude, be exclusionary, like, what do you think their like you taking it at face value that they're saying like, yo, there's mad fraudulent South African passports. We cracking down on this as Ryanair. And this is like you is it is it is it a straight up thing to you? Do you feel like like they're just being totally honest with that? I think there might be more ignorance at play here in this case. And I think that they also could be being very stubborn. But you're right. The When you look at who gets the benefit out of this situation, um, it does paint uh, quite an unfortunate picture. It, and again, that's such a, an important question because I'm going to have to be faced with potentially having to take this test. And I, for one, would refuse to be able to do it. I'm not going to Google search the answers. I'm just write out whatever I can write out and they're going to have it and take it, you know? Um, but that's that's just ego and hubris. So on one end, do I think it's racist? Ah, I think it's just being... I just think it's a terrible business judgment. I got you. Interesting. Well, more to be revealed. Will's way be able to travel on Ryanair? <laughs> <laughs> Do we even have the cash for the flight? Find out next time. <laughs> Listen, they can also find out when we update people on all different types of news, kind of like current news. <laughs> Mr. Miles Xavier, you know, we've gone to a point where there's so much news that keeps happening, so much information keeps coming at us, and we're 82 episodes in, which means we've almost covered close to 80 different forms of news topics and whatnot, and you get to a place where it's, you, you really have to ask yourself, like, there's so much news coming out, and 
the the shootings that happened in in Uval, Texas, that was a couple of weeks ago. But yet it feels so distant and it feels so gone. Ukraine is still happening right now, but it it feels so distant, it feels so gone. And we found this to be very peculiar. So, you know, in curating a conversation around it, wanted to really explore what is our relationship with news and like how long do we actually care about news and how should we approach a world where we're just being bombarded by so much where you can't possibly be able to um, act on all of it. There's way too much happening. So much. Um, and so much of it, like sad, so much of it scary. Right. Um, so I hope I'm hopeful that we can use this space as kind of like a check-in even amongst ourselves and, you know, if there are solutions or any advice that we can give out to people, that's fire. But if not, um, like you said, we 82 episodes in. We've uh, commented multiple times on this show on how researching for the show uh, is uh, is an interesting process in many ways, right? But also um, digging into the facts about, like you said, things like the shootings in Uvalde, uh, the shooting in Buffalo, um, the war in, in Ukraine, the invasion by Russia, uh, even going back to the Israel and Palestine conflict, right? And I say going back, but another thing that's still ongoing, um, we've been trying to cover a lot of different topics. Uh, and I think we always approach this stuff with the intention of saying, we are trying to have this conversation in a real way, trying to understand it not as, you know, experts, though we do have our own areas of expertise, but trying to understand it as people, trying to figure out how to be human when we see such loss, um, how not to be numb, and it's difficult. So I guess with all of that said, my first question to you is, how are you feeling when you think about the world and has doing so much research for this show affected... Um, your mental health or your perspective? I would definitely say, man, that it does put into context just how much information is out there. And on one end, you realize like, wow, there's no possible way I can care about everything because there's just so much to care about. Um, and that's a bit liberating. But then on the same side, you, because you understand, because you're exposing yourself to more information of what actually is happening, it's a bit, it, it does get real sad just to think like, really, is there a point where we can help everyone or is that always just going to be the case where you can't, we will never be able to help everyone? It's hard, right? I was driving home from work the other day and I was thinking about our place in the broader movement, right? Like within our respective countries, within all of the places we try and have impact, um, and even like globally, our place in the movement for freedom and equity uh, and safety. And I think I long ago acknowledged that a lot of these are battles that I will be handing down to future generations, handing down to my children. Um, but part of me let this dark thought creep in that this period we're going through now, these these years we're living in are... We just we just keeping the stitching together, you know. We're between great revolutions, and this is a time of 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 suffering and confusion. And those of us that are doing the work of impact are 
just maintaining the structures that take care of people for a time when we have more agency funding and ability to make a broad impact and that is not how i want to approach my everyday but that's a real thought that i had you know yeah so in in the process of really trying to be active with the emotions of what to do with all this information what to do with all this information what i keep getting reminded by a lot of people that we look up to in this in this space of of helping and and of servitude is that it's the most important thing is to try and reach one person honestly like you, you know that is more than enough trying to reach one person at a time and um, at least try to make a difference in one person's life and that is you're changing you might not be changing the world but you're going to be changing their world and that's close to close to as good enough you know that's almost like changing their whole world for them so it's it's that approach that I think is is so comforting in being able to see because what we have, you know, we've covered the Uval shootings. There's been over 30 mass shootings in the U.S. And I put mass shootings in quotations like this because even that terminology and that phrasing is media conditioning. And we've, you know, we've covered the shootings and we've said that media reporting um, the way media reports on these things is one of the key indicators that it will happen again. So, you know, it's, it's it's being conscious of those types of things that there's been so much that has happened in between this short period of time. But because we don't, we've, we've gone over the shock of the information, we've now moved on to the next thing and we move on to the next thing and then the next thing. That is what we do. Um, it's what we've been doing for years. And I really appreciate what you were saying about reaching out to the people that are in your media circle, trying to um, improve your outlook on the world by creating spaces of camaraderie and collaboration and creativity with your people. Um, I think it does start there, right? And I think it's beautiful to look at everything that's going on in the world and take it as an opportunity to double down on being kind to each other, right? It's more important than ever to treat the people around you with love because we are going through this. So I think that's an incredible thing to take from it. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm only speaking for myself, but there's something in me that wants to do more, right? Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a love on my people. And I don't say that dismissively. I, I want to do that with intention. Um, and that means extending my patience that means extending my my time and listening really actively listening and i don't want to take that for granted but i also when i read about things like uh uvalde when i read about things like um ukraine when i read about the kzm floods something in me is called to do more and how do we pick our battles in terms of the different things that might be not so local that are devastating that we want to care about and what is enough to contribute i don't that's a difficult one i don't know i don't know because because we're exposed to so much international information like for instance the protests that were happening in sri lanka um you know that was happening zimbabwe had a shutdown the government shutdown that was happening information wasn't getting out of there quick enough at the same time inflation 
and gas prices are through the roof. More people have been added into poverty over the period of COVID, which is ironically at the same time that more billionaires were created in a single period. Um, you know, so there, there's so much international information happening. Um, in in Addis, there's there's a war that's happening, pushing people into con into um into refugee camps all over the place. Ukraine again, more bombing more bombings have happened in Ukraine since um since the slapping of Will Smith than at the beginning of the war. You know what I mean? So it's just like what a crazy <laughs> time marker. <laughs> what what a what a crazy like milestone. <laughs> Yeah. More, more bombings have happened since the <laughs> slapping of Chris Rock by Will Smith. Yo, yeah, I appreciate that's it, a man. time step. Where else? <laughs> that's a time step, bro. You know, we all, where were you when Chris Rock slapped Will Smith? <laughs> that's Yo. the new where were you when 9 11 happened? Where were Stop. you when Chris Rock? People what? remember too. Where? <laughs> where were you when 9 11 happened? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I was in a, I was in my classroom. I was in school, and they told us some garbage about there were bees outside that were harmful, and we had to stay inside. So we didn't have recess, and we didn't have no nothing. They just kept us inside, and that was what they told us. And I remember sitting there, even as a kid, going, "Bees? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really this. There's killer bees outside. So." That's where I was at. Where were you at? I was at my grandmother's house. I was at my grandmother's house and um, the, it happened and I was playing outside and she called me in and she sat me down. She said, hey, look at the screen. The world is never going to be the same after this. You need to see this. My grandmother actually pulled me in to show me that. So that that's that's where I was. Look at two different approaches to dealing with children. Like I, I wish I would have had a, an elder to take me aside and say, "This is what's happening, and it's gonna be a lot to process." But I got you. Rather than me being like, "I," so there's no more bees because at the end of the school day, they tell you, "All right, cool. Now y'all all go outside and go home." Wait a minute, where the where are the bees at? <laughs> they all dead. Now this really don't make no sense. Now I'm scared of killer bees, and I go home just to find out that really there was a terrorist attack. So now I'm scared of bees <laughs> and terrorists. Don't lie to kids. <laughs> I, yo, listen, G. It's the same thing with this. Where were you when Michael Jackson died? Those are the you see. There's different moments that history is just going to be a landmark for where everyone is going to remember what happened. COVID is going to be the same thing. Where were? How do you spend your first? COVID lockdown, you know, people can remember that. Turns out, so is where were you when Michael Jackson died? Yeah, word. Where were you when Michael Jackson died? Get in Disneyland, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what? The most magical place on earth when we lost MJ? Dang. It's where I was, dude. That's great was, and sad and I, I know, dude. They played <laughs> Michael Jackson on low. <laughs> it was Michael Jackson at, at half mast. That's crazy. Wow. And you? Uh I was I I I damn near fell out, bro. I was just riding around with my girl at the time in high school and we heard it over the radio, so I'm dating myself a little bit, but yeah, we we heard it over the radio and I was like, "What? They they tripping. Like they that they can't be true." And then we pulled up to her crib, we walked in the door and her whole family was in the living room 
around the TV. And as soon as we walked in, they were like, nah, it's real. And I saw the news and the headline. And I think there was like even a shot of his house because he died in the crib from the medications and stuff. And when I saw all that, I was like, I like fell out. I was like, whoa, Mike is really gone. Because I grew up in a Michael Jackson household, man. My mom loved Michael Jackson. That's like, man, I even, even the bad albums. <laughs> not bad, the bad, like the... The bad, <laughs> not, the bad album. not not the bad album. <laughs> the bad album. So that was yeah. That's definitely one of those that I remember. So we out here, man. We really existing out this mug. I don't know how well it's going, but but this is this. That being said, Mister Miles Xavier, uh, regardless of whatever is happening, you can definitely count on us to continue to provide you with that carefully curated information. You know, um, so just in order to make sure that we keep current things alive um, and people informed on what's happening in the world. What are some issues that you're currently impassioned by or things that um, you are cognizant to happening? Wow. Yeah. I, um, I think we've mentioned a lot of them here today. And I think my intention is to continue to look for opportunities to organize in whatever way we can, you know, like the KZN floods, they, the floods came and went, they did their damage, but we still recovering, right? So um, as a part of a space that took me in and, and, and loved on me, that's one that still weighs heavily on me. Um, these school shootings, as somebody who's is invested and works and has dedicated my life to violence prevention and even youth violence prevention, the attacks of unarmed people by young white men deeply troubles me. Um, and not like, and, and this, even just the pattern of, of, of shootings in general, especially using assault weapons in the United States. Um, I'm still struggling with that one. I'm still wrestling with where exactly my stance is and how far I think we need to go in terms of limiting access to, um, these deadly weapons and forming my most articulate and also most empathetic and also most practical argument of where we need to go with that. Um, so I'm thinking about that. And then, of course, um, I belong to Chicago. And uh, even though, you know, we're, we're a little bit better than last year and we're continuing to organize around it, um, the violence in, in this city is real. And my loved ones are out here walking around. You know what I mean? I just spent yesterday at the Hyde Park Summerfest. Uh, shout out to anybody that was out there. Shout out to Lupe Fiasco, uh, Chicago's own, for shutting that thing down, man. Like uh, only a home, like a homegrown person can do in a city. He He's made good. my month um, with that performance and and the way that he took control of of the park. Uh, and so I love like, but that don't get reported on 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 the news like that, right? Us coming together and, and peaceful and in celebration. Um, and so I'm down to highlight that, but I also, I also, yeah, I'm, we're working to make the positivity, the overwhelming narrative and the overwhelming experience of Chicago. Um, and so that's deep, that's on my heart and uh, appreciate you even asking me to, to giving me the space to share that. So what about you, man? What are some of the things that's sticking with you? And uh, what are some of the fights that we can lock arms with you in? Your sentiments or my sentiments with uh, Chicago, you know, we know the violence that's happening there, but also, um, you know, being 
aware of how many kids have been left behind in South Africa for COVID related reasons, which is why, you know, pushing these laptops out to these kids is so important and being able to, to give them a bit of resources to catch up, I would say is the most important thing, you know, really, um, trying to be, a allow being aware of what's happening, be my relationship with it, but also fully working towards, um, committing myself towards trying to fix at least one thing, you know, really um, committing myself that way. That way you don't feel as bad about all this information, but neither are you ignorant. It's like you once put out on the show a quote by Denzel Washington. If you don't watch the news, you're misinformed. If you watch the news, no, if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. If you watch the news, you're misinformed. So, um, you know, being able to be aware of what's happening, but also trying to get some laptops to some kids. So if you want to lock arms, be sure to go on to the Mandula Foundation page, like we keep on saying, and uh, give us some laptops, man. We're handing them out to kids. Word. And if there are issues that are close to your heart that we haven't mentioned, talked about on this podcast, or that we have, but that we need to go back to because of developments, hit us up, man. Comment. You know, let us know what's going on. Um, this is an open conversation, and, and we really want to educate ourselves and, you know, give the people um, us, you know, our thoughts and, and whatever we whatever we can put together in a carefully curated fashion. And the thoughts that people continuously come back to the show about are one particular segment of the show. It consistently gets the most views on the show is what people keep coming back for. Miles. Wreck and review. I uh I appreciate a good laugh, you know? Um and I say that because Comedy is and isn't a space where you go to for that. Uh, I think some of my favorite comedians right now are playing with the format in a way that centers conversation over comedy, over laughs. Um, but Michael Shea is somebody who I think really is able to comment on some of the same things that a lot of other comedians are commenting on. And in a way that still just makes me feel good. Um, and I can appreciate a deep conversation, but I also got to show love for some feel-good comedy by somebody who I think is is witty um, and is thinking about the world in an interesting way. So we checked out uh, Michael Shea Matters. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a 2016 stand-up special. Maybe we can run to um, uh, his new 2021 special as well. Uh, as a little double feature, but uh, you know, just shouting out some creatives that uh, make our days a little bit easier and uh, give a little some some le some levity to our day. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you watch Michael Shea Matters or that damn Michael Shea? Or what? That damn Michael Shea. How many times I confirmed this with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You Michael When did that come out? All right. Well, listen, I'm, let me give the lowdown on that damn Michael Shea. That came out in wow. 2021. Uh, that came out in 2021. It's uh, Michael Shea's uh, TV show. You know, Michael Shea is a writer from Saturday Night Live um, and has been 
considered by, he's the head writer of Saturday Night Live and is considered by a lot of his um, fellow comedian mates that to be one of the best in the game doing it. So he finally got a TV show, um, that damn Michael Shea that came out. It's about six episodes, 20 minutes each episode. And oh, it is no. super dope. That's why I kept on telling you to watch it. Bro, you so how was I gonna watch six episodes? <laughs> oh no! Okay, okay. You see, That's now, now people get a people get a back uh, a, a bit of backstory. So when you texted me today, you're just like, "Yo, is this what we watching?" I was thinking to myself, "That's odd. That's a, a very short amount of time to confirm six episodes." But I thought you had it in the bag. That's hilarious. Nah, because when we talked about it, I was like, "Michael Shea matters." I was like. I was like, I feel like I've seen that, but we definitely didn't review it. And I messed with Michael Shea, so let's run it. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, I did see this a minute ago, but it's funny. <laughs> I'm down to talk about it. There's actually but a I'll lot here. What, <laughs> I'll tell you what, our our highest rated, uh, one of our highest rated reviews has been uh, The Bust Down, and it has been Atlanta, and there's been um, those types of shows. So I would say we save this for another segment where we can both be able to get into it, because... I think we might be able to just give them some gold. Nah, right, for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm down to just advise y'all because I've seen everything. I've I've liked everything I've seen so far from Michael Shea. So um, check out his stand ups. Check out uh, that damn Michael Shea so that you up on that. You know, so it won't be no spoilers when you hear us jump into the review of that joint right there. Uh, another one of our more highly rated uh, episodes was when we reviewed Roe Daniel. So. You know, this is this is a space where we experiment and we review in comedy, we review in TV, uh, we review in movies, we review in music. Uh, it's a music drought though right now. So if y'all know of anything, please send it my way because my ears need it. Zoe, what you listening to, bro? I'm glad you asked, bro. I'm listening to some of that, um, a lot of R&B, a lot of R&B. Daniel Caesar, please don't lean. Um, some Amapiano, you know, reminiscent of home, Virgo deep. Far away from home, which is some smooth stuff. And then for the boxing stuff, man, I'm stuck on that Rick Hyde. Still listening to a lot of Rick Hyde, Young Rody, um, that type of time, and some Mozzie. Ah, man. Mozzie got a new joint? With Shorty Shorty. Okay. I'm I'm waiting on a Mozzie album. I'm waiting on that Gates mm-hmm. album. Uh, I never know what to expect from Gates. I never take the singles as like what I'm going to get from the, from the album, but... Gates is somebody that when he 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 likes to sing. I'm not sure who it's for, but when he hit when he hits, he hits. So I'm looking forward to that Kevin Gates album. Still need to jump on that Vori. Need to see what's going on with that. You know what I'm saying? As advised by our producer, maybe we'll get that in uh, in an upcoming episode as well. But definitely let us know what we should review, what we should check out. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Hey man, and we do it because we know Miles Xavier. We oh know. yeah. We know. We know it's a lot going on in the world. We know y'all are busy. You know, we know time is money. Uh, and we know that, you know, it's important to value the time of your peoples. So we appreciate y'all's time. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Y'all could be anywhere in the world, but y'all are here rocking with us. And we appreciate that so much. Joining us for the celebration of celebrating, the celebration of life, the celebration of how good it feels to be black unless you fly in Ryanair. Sway, hope you can get on that flight, brother. <laughs> Me too. Uh, wherever you are, we hope it feels good to be you. Uh, make sure you eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Like that. Peace. Water. We gone.
Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard?